Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to TV Party Tonight, brought to you by the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight we're going to be doing something, as Jello Biafra once said, a little different. Now, if you've been following any of the Rattledge and Broadcasting shows, you know we tend to deal with a lot of the pop culture action-oriented, comic book-type stuff, whether it's television shows, movies, uh, comic books, etc. We typically don't deal in documentaries. We certainly don't talk about cooking shows. But tonight, that's going to change a little bit uh, for a variety of reasons. So um, what we'll be talking about tonight is the four-part Netflix documentary, Cooked, by author uh, Michael Pollan. I've read a bunch of his books. Uh, First started with An Omnivore's Dilemma, which uh, talked about the the central topics seem to be, you know, what are you supposed to eat when the modern diet is uh, crap, (laughs) basically. And there are, I think I remember, it's been so long time since I've read the book, but uh, the book was broken up into different sections and each one was, I think, about like a different meal and sort of uh, the themes around those meals, um, one, one of which was dedicated to the modern uh, industrial diet. I think him and his family went to go have cheeseburgers from McDonald's in the car, but uh, they all, I think he ate like a wild pig and there was other stuff going on in the, in the book and it was great. I became a huge fan. That's not the best sell job I've ever done on a book, but suffice it to say, I read an omnivore's dilemma. It was a a New York times bestseller and I became a fan of the author. I went back and I read uh, botany of desire. Um, And in 2000, I believe 13, he released a book called cooked. A Natural History of Transformation, which kind of operates under the same uh, motif, where it's broken up into different sections. This time, uh, it's broken up into earth, air, fire, and water. And uh, it details how each one of those elements influence the cooking process. Cooking with fire, cooking with air, etc. So, last year... uh, His book was adapted into a four-part Netflix series. Again, each episode, just like the the sections in the book, 
It was a fire episode, air episode, water episode, earth episode. And over the course of the uh, the holiday season, I had a chance to finally sit down and watch it. Now, this came out last February, so it's almost a year old now, but I, I'm just now getting around to it. But I was, I was really amazed by what I was watching. I mean, you know, reviews for the show have been eh, a little iffy. I think uh, the AV Club said that it uh, was at both... Uh, overwhelmed and underdeveloped, which I can see. But I mean, as, as far as something that I was watching purely for pleasure, and, and here's a secret about me, I really enjoy my cooking shows, whether they be uh, Top Chef or uh, stuff I watch with my daughter, like the Kids Baking Challenge or another one we just got into, the Guy Fieri, Rachel Ray, uh, Kids uh, Cook-Off Challenge. Uh, I there was an underground barbecue challenge on Netflix that I watched a couple of months back. Uh, Man Fire Food. Love that show. I used to love Man Versus Food. Oh my God. I, that, that, that I binged, I think when I, when I found it and then I was addicted to that show. That poor bastard. Um, <laughs> yes. By the, by the third season, he was like, no moss, no moss. <laughs> Other people need to do this now. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly killing myself. But at any rate, I really enjoy my cooking shows. And, I, and because I don't tend to watch them for the purposes of creating content for this network, I really can just kind of sit down and, and enjoy just, just, on an, just on an entertainment level. But this cook show was something a little different for me. I saw it, and a lot of what Michael Pollan is talking about in a lot of the books that I've read, and, and you have to understand since going on a in 2011, um, I you know, and and subsequently gaining regaining the weight, but going back on the diet again, uh, I have read a lot of books about health and food. Uh, Gary Tobbs is another author uh, I've read. I've I really enjoyed and read his books. You know why we get fat. Have not read Good Calories, Bad Calories. I've heard it's a bit dense. But uh, Why We Get Fat is really, really good. It sits right on top of my shelf, right where I can get at it and <laughs> use it for reference. The End of Overeating was another one that I read. Um, so I, t- I tend not to read diet books as such. I read a lot you know, science of food. I read a lot about food creation. And uh, I'm no expert on the subject. But I do enjoy Wheat Belly. It's another good one. Uh, I do enjoy reading a good book about what food does to us. I'm currently in the middle of a book uh, about sugar and diabetes. I'll talk about that uh, at the end of the show. Some recommendations that I have of things that I've read. Uh, So this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart. And Cooked really gets at that in a way that I thought was interesting to talk about. Because Michael Pollan is really trying to push the uh, American culture, the uh, American uh, personality towards getting back into the kitchen. Because as I talked about in my diet diary last year, not just me, but many of us, especially as I would learn after uh, I posted that and people were contacting me, we are very a grab and go society. We like it fast. We like it easy. 
and we, we need to keep it moving. And it, it's hard. You know, many of us are, uh, fa- you know, we, we have families, we have children, we are uh, living in two working parent homes, and it's not always easy to get, you know, three home-cooked meals into your bodies with good products, fresh products, products that are not processed, overly salted, loaded with sodium, loaded with chemicals uh, into our bodies. You know, we talk about the quote-unquote obesity epidemic, and these are things that all uh, lead to that. So it's difficult. And that's a big reason why I wanted to uh, talk about this series, because again, it, it goes to the greater conversation of what are we going to do as a society? Are we going to try to get back to the kitchen and improve our health? Or are we going to keep going down this road uh, that leads to Wally, <laughs> basically? Just but fat people in chairs just zooming about. <laughs> so. I uh, have a guest that we're bringing on to the show, I believe, for the first time, a first-time podcast, first time being on a podcast, not even knew what a podcast was, but she offered to come on the show and talk about Cooked with me, and I'm very anxious to bring her on and get her insight. She, uh, she, she appro- she's approaching the show from the office with someone who does cook for herself, not in into the kitchen and actually cook for her co-workers as well. So uh, I'd like to bring on to the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network, one of my co-workers, as a matter of fact, Miss uh, Adrian Wagner. How do you do? Hi, how are you? Hello. <laughs> you there? Hello, I was having some hey, uh, I'm here. Are. I was All having right. some technical difficulties, believe it or not. Uh, anyone listening to any one of my shows knows that technical difficulties are a big part of it. I literally dropped my phone on the tile floor right as I was trying to call you. So I'm using my uh, eight-year-old son's terrible cell phone, which for once I'm actually very glad that I have. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is going to make for a fun show. Uh, well, <laughs> thank you for coming on. Yes, of course, of course. What did I miss? Uh, I just gave an introduction to the show, um, to uh, what Cooked is all about, who Michael Pollan is. Um, I want to talk for a brief minute and ask you a couple of questions about uh, your experience with cooking. Uh, Right as you were coming in, I was talking about how there's this push to get us back into the kitchen and cooking for ourselves because living the grab-and-go industrial diet is making us sick. It's creating a lot of disease. It's creating a lot of obesity. Um, And so we're at sort of a a crossroads where the information is out there. We we know what we're we're supposed to do. We know what we're Mm -hmm. supposed to eat, but it really does run counter to the lifestyle that a lot of us are living. Um, We, you know, full-time jobs and, and inability to find the time to do it etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, why don't you just take a minute and tell the audience a little bit about yourself in terms of your you know, cooking experience. I think um, you, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, you, um, you, you got into cooking a while back and like you, you seem to have really been uh, engaged with the process. 
Yeah, um, actually, there's a few interesting tidbits here. But um, uh, first of all, I am, you know, I'm not an expert cooker or baker by any means. You know, I pretty much go by recipes. But my father is 100% Italian and my mom is this little Southern Belle from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. But they've both always, they were brought up, both of them cooking. So, um, you know, they both taught me different styles and different types of cooking and it just kind of stuck with me. So, um, you know, I've been doing it ever since and I love to cook for myself, for people, whenever I have the time. And that's, that's an issue, but when I have the time, I love it. Now, do you like to cook strictly Italian or do you experiment with other styles? Is there something that you, um, sort of approached, uh, that you hadn't been taught and then sort of fell in love with? Um, I like different styles. I do love the Mediterranean flavor. Um, but of course I'm also a vegetarian, so that puts a little spin on it, <laughs> especially <laughs> with the Italian part, because, you know, Italians cook with a lot of meat. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, my dad makes fun of me all the time, especially at holidays when we do have a lot of homemade food. Um, so I'll have to, you know, make my own meat alternative type and just kind of mix it with what they're doing a lot of the time. So, um, I do, I try to experiment with a lot of things and being a vegetarian, it makes it hard because you have to try to think outside the box a lot for protein sources and for different vitamin sources. So I just try different things. If it looks good, I'm like, Hey, let me try it. I think it's a lot easier to find protein sources when you're a and then when you're vegan and, and it's such a it's such, it's a much more stricter diet uh, at least that's what I've been told at least I think with uh with vegetarians you know you there's still proteins you can get from beans and nuts and there's all kinds of things you can do I am a I am a yeah. strict meat eater like I could eat just any meat I would um, <laughs> or a meatitarian as my ex-husband would say <laughs> yeah absolutely a meatitarian um I'm at you know that that's the diet that I'm on right now it's a, it's a ketogenic diet um talked about on my diet diary where uh between um 500 to 700 calories a day of protein i'm really supposed to keep it the lean protein so it's not like supposed to like go into wendy's and be like oh bacon any you know um, not how this is supposed to work (laughs) um but you know then you have either two servings of vegetables or a serving of fruit and a serving of vegetables per day and um stay in ketosis and it, it uh you know, and this is how you lose weight uh, very rapidly. And I know the first time I did relate relating to the subject, I had to, my wife was pregnant at the time with our now six-year-old daughter, and I had to pretty much cook all my own meals to in, in order to get the going. And I actually used to really love cooking for myself. Um, it, it's time-consuming, and I used to cook, like, you know, a lot of stuff at once, for like a week so mm-hmm. that I could yeah. find that balance, that work-life balance between having the, the food available and being able to grab and go with, with my busy, busy lifestyle. Um, right. right. And I re- and I really, and I really do love barbecue when I get the opportunity real cook with fire uh, as we'll talk about momentarily. I, the other stuff that, that he talks about, you know, with water, air and earth, uh, not so much, though I did find them interesting in the show. 
but yeah, fire. Anytime there's anything barbecue going on, anything with fire, I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely um, puts um, an awesome flavor on things. So, have you uh, now? Did, before I approached you about this and sort of threw it out there that this was a show I wanted to talk about. Hang on. Uh, uh, I'm here. My computer froze momentarily. Um, Repeat. I was asking uh, before I had approached you about doing the show um, and talking Mm -hmm. about this subject, had you heard of Cooked or Michael Pollan in general? I hadn't. No, I hadn't. And I'm really glad that I did it. But um, no, I hadn't heard a thing about it. I mean, again, just focusing on work and kids and stuff. I I don't. (laughs) take the time or I don't have the time to do a lot of reading. I mean, um, reading, watching documentaries, things like that. But, um, but it sounded really interesting to me, especially, um, you know, the way he puts it with the different elements. And I mean, I had seen in the past, I saw, I think it was called food Inc where it talked about, um, you know, the abuse of animals that we use for food and things like that. And then there was another one, I'm trying to remember it was a while back that I had also watched so um but it was more focused on the abuse of animals and then the you know how uh, GMOs and you know foods are um mutated yes it's, a, it's an interesting world we're living in <laughs> yeah uh, yeah food inc is actually on, <laughs> food inc is actually on my my Netflix queue to watch uh I said yeah. at the top of the show before uh, before you called in uh, the the first book I read by Michael Pollan, how I discovered him was with an omnivore's dilemma, the New York Times bestseller. And if you have the time to to read it, I, I would absolutely recommend it. But uh, I read Cooked when it first came out. I actually made it almost all the way through it. When it got to the part about uh, baking, um, you know, <laughs> cooking with <laughs> cooking with air. I was like, at that time, I was so anti-grain, anti. I had, I had just finished reading Wheat Belly, and I was like, no, the bread is the enemy. So, like anything <laughs> bakery and any baking, I was just anti. And it, yeah. and I was listening. As I was actually listening to it uh, as an audio book. I I lost interest in the book, and I never finished it. Uh, I something I want to go back and actually just read now. I don't want to just listen to it. But um, having seeing that there was this documentary on Netflix, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a chance here and, and see what he did with it. Cause I like the guy. I just, it was just, I was just having a hard time with, the book, with up to that point with the book uh, cooked, but I do recommend mm-hmm. it for people. If you haven't read it, mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, if you, if you know, you're not, and you don't have natural prejudices against bread. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a good read to me. It's a good read. He's a very engaged author. Um, we're going to take a quick uh, pause for the cause here, and I'm going to play the trailer for Cooked as a sort of jumping off point for us to start talking about this. So about it's a, a little less than two minutes here, and it sort of really explains the show better than I ever could, and then we'll get right into this, okay? All right. So here we go. We all have powerful memories of being cooked for. That act of generosity and love 
I think is still in there for most of us and is very powerful. The meal is this incredible human institution. When we learn to cook is when we became truly human. But we've lost touch, I think, with how that food got to our plate. I was going to do kind of a deep dive into cooking and learn how to do it. I started with fire because that's where cooking begins. If you eat meat like this, you find out how good, really good meat is. We're taking things that aren't immediately delicious and working flavor into them. If someone says, you shouldn't eat gluten, I would say, well, prove it. A decomposition creating wonderful flavor. It's a promise of something better. This is more important than people realize. When you let a corporation cook your food, they cook differently than people do. You have an industry that is trying to undermine cooking as an everyday practice. And if I lose that tradition of cooking, I've actually lost knowledge. For me, it's sort of like a rite of passage that was taught to me by my grandfather and my father and taught to them by their parents. In a kernel of grain, there's everything to support a whole life. Is there any practice less selfish? My mother did this. Any time less wasted than preparing something delicious and nourishing for the people you love. So I have to ask. First, you're going into a hole. Like, all right, so this so this wacky guy I work with wants me to watch this documentary. What's what's going on here? <laughs> and within within minutes of the first episode, you're in all I think it's Australia, and they're setting a the field on fire and killing lizards. And I have to ask, <laughs> what was your first thought? Was it like was it text me and go, what the hell, Rattledge? What are you doing? <laughs> Actually, no. It was quite the opposite. Um, I got hooked immediately. And, and I'm not a big documentary person at all. I mean, something, you know, normally I'd prefer fiction or I'd prefer, um, you know, drama or something like that to, to a documentary. So when I first started watching, I mean, I was hooked within minutes and it was amazing. And I've, I honestly watched every episode twice already and I've taken notes and, and it was really interesting. So I, I didn't think that at all. Exact opposite. Oh, good. Good. All right. I want some of these notes that you took. What are uh, some of the observations, <laughs> uh, some of these notes just right off the bat that you're, uh, you're passionate about that you want to talk about? Well, um, and I mean, I broke it down by episode cause of course I'm OCD, but, um, with the first part is with the fire when he said um when Paulin said we learned or we we became human when we learned to cook I thought that was amazing I mean just do you ever people don't really think about that like humans is learning to cook with fire that's what separated us from the rest of the animal kingdom yeah I thought I thought uh anthropology and and just the the arc of human existence right. <laughs> it's something I'm fascinated by there's a great book um, again another New York Times seller I think it actually might have won the Pulitzer uh, called Guns, Germs and Steel 
and it, and it goes to that idea of um, you know of how how humanity evolved uh, and you know and what the guns, germs, and steel, and how that created uh, the great wealth of the West versus um, you know the East having to play catch up, and you now things are relatively well not. I don't want to say they're relatively equal because in a lot of places they're not, but uh, certainly it, you're absolutely right. And, you know, and he brings that up, you know, the idea of cooking with fire is what sort of uh, brought us out of the muck and mire and, and was the first uh, brick towards laying the foundation of humanity. So uh, human civilization is really, really fascinating yeah. because like you, you wouldn't in the, in the whole concept of, um, and I don't want to skip around too much, but at the these two link, you know, another brick in the foundation of civilization might have been beer. You know, beer is what, <laughs> yep. is, is what got us into farming, which is awesome. Exactly. Yep. That mm-hmm. <laughs> humans thought the, of alcohol before food. <laughs> yes. I love the idea humanity. Civilization has its roots in us being drunken frat boys. It's great. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you and I, we work in, we work professionally in the field of psychology. Um, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. It seems more like daycare. Right. But yes, we, we are dealing in psychology. And I think the human mind is a fascinating thing in that we, well, we we could be hunter gatherers and we we could be farmers, but what we really want is to get drunk. So can we do yep. that? Can we can we base an entire civilization just so that we have the resources to get shit faced? Can we do that? That's an amazing yep. thing. Yep. Yep. Let's settle <laughs> here just so we can be still enough to grow grain so we can ferment alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's all about our body. Um, mm-hmm. So there are aspects of that episode. So if he focuses on folks who leave their modern society in Australia, they go back into the bush, and mm-hmm. they hunt as, they, as their ancestors did. They hunt these lizards, and they eat these lizards that are fire-roasted um, over, <laughs> over an open, awesome to watch. If you, you know, mm-hmm. if you can of like killing animals right then and there, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's an awesome display to watch. And they, and they, and one of the things I'm really into, and I want to get your opinion on this is you know, this rising tide of type two diabetes in this country. And yeah. um, we have medications to treat it. And it's just, you know, it's, it's an ongoing problem. Now we have kids with, with diabetes. That's, that's a rising thing as well. And one of the mm-hmm. things that's said in this is that, within a few days of being back in the bush and getting back to their natural diets and being physical as they used to, you know, going out and hunting these lizards, they don't have nearly the health problems they do once they go back to their modern civilized lots, quote unquote, civilized lives. What did you think of that? Just this idea that, you know, diabetes is this imminently curable plague by just simply eating right and getting exercise, you don't actually need, or you may not actually need the medicine. And, and it's, and it's yeah. being, and it's on display right there in that situation. Mm-hmm. It, it's scary actually, because it, it sounds so simple and it seems so simple, but that's all they had to do was just go back to 
where they came from and go back to eating these natural, non-processed foods. And it seems so easy, but we can't do it. We can't do it. And and I don't expect, you know, I, I don't know why. I mean, there's so we could talk for hours about that. And I mean, it, it'd be good to kind of brainstorm it a little bit. But and that's where to me, um, not to go too far ahead, but at, in the end, it's like, OK, I've got all this information. Now what? What do, what do we do now? You ever uh, just in the course of. Uh, or your daily life or work or whatever, um, or, you know, a social event. And you're, you're given this knowledge. You've read a book, you've seen a documentary like this one and you're like, okay, man, I've got all this great information and you walk in and everyone's just eating poison. <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah. It's just poison. <laughs> and you're it's and all you, around us. And you're, I don't know if you're, yeah. And if you're like me, you're like half, like I would, it's like one third on the strength of all of you, one third you know, I want to, I want to try to save you from yourself and wonder, get out of the way. That looks delicious. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can I at least lick it? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Let me see your food. I just, let me smell it. Um, <laughs> before we move on from fire to water, I want to get one of the, uh, your other notes that you, uh, you have for fire, but I got to ask, did the, did, did we, did the pig your mouth water when, when vegetarian ate a pig and was like, damn, that's good. <laughs> he was just like, eh, maybe I just won't be vegetarian one time and I got to try, I got to try this roast pig. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. No, actually, I mean, and, and it's a little different. I think that woman in the video, from what I'm gathering, she had been a vegetarian for a really long time. So it was like she was tasting mm-hmm. this pig meat, you know, for the first time in her life or maybe since she was little. But, um, you know, I've only been a vegetarian for uh, nine years, maybe on and off. Probably, I would say five straight, um, but nine on and off. And so, you know, I can remember what that, what it tastes like. And so it wasn't, for me, it wasn't like, oh, I've got to taste that. But it was interesting to see her reaction. It, you know, it was like she was tasting gold or something. What made you decide to become a vegetarian? Actually, it's, it's a funny story, of course. Um, it, my pregnancies, both of my pregnancies, um, I would say led to it. Now, I had several friends that were vegetarian anyway. I had one friend that was a vegan, and she had just recently become a vegan. And, of course, so she was pushing that a lot. And, and you know, I had watched those videos. I watched Food Inc. and um, the other video, which I wish I could remember, but I can't remember. But um, so just, you know, the cruelty to animals and things like that. And I had thought about it for a while, but the actual turning point was when I was pregnant with my son, who I was, um, making a meatloaf and, you know, I was mushing the raw meat around in my hands and it made me sick. And so that was the starting point of it. And it just stuck with me. Do you find it difficult to maintain a vegetarian lifestyle uh, just in the natural course of your daily routine? Or do you, have you found it to be, you know, the world pretty accommodating? It's pretty accommodating these days. My biggest thing is I have to be careful with the carbs because there's, you know, carbs are everywhere. And that can always, that's an easy fix. Processed foods and carbs are my biggest mm-hmm. battle. 
Um, there, there are meat substitutes all around you. It's just you've got to, if you want to pick the healthy ones, you've got to plan and you've got to take more time and it costs more money, you know, so. It definitely takes planning and, and, and money helps. Um, let's, yeah, let me get your last, uh, whatever notes you got, just fire them off. Tell me um, whatever else you uh, you were thinking about fire. Okay, so let's see. Let me grab my little um, tablet here. Okay, fire. We talked about, you know, we're the only species that cooks. This is when we became human. It talked a little bit about um, the evolution in the Homo erectus, which I thought was cool. Um, how we had a much smaller jaw than, you know, the apes and um, our muscles were a lot weaker for chewing and our brains were a lot bigger. So um, he talked about how we need a lot of food for brain energy. So it's just, um, you know, it, it's more than about food, really. It's about um, civilization, the start of civilization that makes you kind of question, um, you know, why, why were all those things done? Why did we evolve that way? Is it all about food or somewhat about food and why is food so important you know with humans but um so that was a little bit and then going back to the traditions with you know when the people went back to the bush and when they baptized that baby by fire and but it brought back other things like they were storytelling and um so other things so it it just brought back old traditions from from those people how they got back to the land so i thought that was really really cool I agree. Um, two agree. things. Two things I can relate to that. Uh, there's a book I read not that long ago called uh, "It Was About the History of Barbecue," and mm-hmm. uh, one of the things they talked about was how, uh, especially in this country, barbecues are actually political events. Um, you know, going to the you know the late 1700s, you know, if you were you know alleys were around barbecues and. There's a lot of detail in the books about, you know, uh, slaves digging ditches and pits that the, the meat was cooked in and, um, and the kinds of things that were served at these things. But, yeah, they were political events. They were social events. You know, the idea of a large cooked meat festival uh, really brought people <laughs> together and created mm-hmm. communities and created, you know, in a lot of ways um, – political movements and they were uh, at at the crux of a lot of ideas that blossomed out of these gatherings. So, you know, barbecue, cooking by fire, it's a huge addition in in America on every level that you can think of, you know, not just Mm -hmm. food, but, you know, social, economic, um, psychological, you know, barbecue is, uh, you know, as much a, a foundation of we'll just we'll just limit it to this country uh, as any number of things you can think of, um, and, and now that links right up to what he was saying in that episode. Uh, but you know, the other thing, I, I, my, my family did not teach me to cook. Um, they, they taught me to microwave. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I got this outrageous, you know, rocking body that I've got today, folks. Um, <laughs> Eating out of boxes and microwaves and shit, but uh, nuclear. Yes, <laughs> I was on the nuclear diet. But my <laughs> my nana, my my Italian grandmother, she <laughs> cooked, and 
I can't necessarily say like she. First of all, there was no talking. There was no teaching me anything, but she did cook me things. <laughs> and uh, uh, my most positive memories. This is going to sound like such a fat guy statement. But trying to be somewhat sentimental and linked to this to the story. Um, my most positive memories of growing up in childhood were centered around the meals that my grandmother made, my meals that my, my dad made. And yeah. when she died, I kind of thought all those, those memories were going to go with her. You know, I would never, I would never have the, the fresh fish uh, sauce that she made with spaghetti. You know, I would never have her uh, sausage and peppers or her peppers and eggs sandwiches that she would make. You know, these were, regardless of how they might sound, you know, to, to the outside, these were things I grew up with big Italian uh, meals that she would make and they were delicious. And I never thought I would have them again, but I have talked about this with my mother-in-law who couldn't be the furthest thing from Italian. And she has gone out of her way every Christmas to make sure she make she tries to at least approximate based on my weak explanations of these things. Uh, my grandmother's uh, Italian dishes. She brings them to Christmas. This past year, at my insistence, she actually brought uh, Italian sausage and peppers. And it made my holiday. Wife mm-hmm. couldn't have cared it's Amazing. <laughs> she, she's not, not a huge fan of the Italian sausage. And not yeah. huge fans of onions. And there, there were definitely some issues here. But, every, but, you know, it was a cool thing for my mother-in-law to do. And she really does go out of her way to make me happy by keeping my grandmother's traditions as, as alive as she can, um, especially yeah. around the holidays. Well, so I certainly appreciate that. Yeah. And I think, I think we're all that way. I mean, we all celebrate things around food, the holidays, um, a big portion of our holidays are very revolved around food. So I think that it's, um, you know, it's tradition for all of us and it, it means something for all of us. Um, that's just, um, you know, that's our tradition. American, all cultures, I think it's Absolutely. you know you can pick any culture, and where we all have some kind of tradition or something based around food. And it's funny you mention that because that's a big part of episode two, water, uh, where we go over <laughs> to India, and yeah. you know, and 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 I, it's funny, like the first episode, fire, yeah, barbecue, meat. Very exciting things for me. I'm just, I'm enraptured. Just just sitting at the edge of my couch. Yes, bring it on. And then we get to the next one. Let's talk about soup, everybody. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying That's to get into my it. I'm speed. Try- <laughs> I'm going to actually let you, you talk, talk it up here because I went into this. And I'm not going to say it's a bad episode. It's very, very good. And I definitely want to talk about uh, the was, focus yeah. on India. You know, and and the and the kinds of things that they were doing, but just right off yeah. the bat, I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> I, I don't want a, a whole episode on soup and boiling." <laughs> 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 but uh, well, you and were I, excited. I thought it was, yeah, I was. I thought it was um, really interesting because in that episode, he talked how water created the birth of cuisine so it's not just cooking but like fine cooking mm-hmm. um so i thought that was cool and and um one of the things he said was without water to soften you know you still have your plants you still have your meat 
Um, and then you still have your spices, which is going to be the same thing with, with fire. But what he said was flavors won't mix without water to soften them. So it's a different way to kind of mix all your flavors and make new flavors for your palate. So, you know, of course I was like, oh, so great. So cool. The thing that rang out to me the most in this goes back to the, the conversation we were having earlier about trying to get that work-life balance while maintaining mm-hmm. a healthy eating lifestyle. And as I said to my wife the other day, nature abhors a vacuum. Um, if, if there's an, you know, the, the thing that when they, when people talk about the American dream and they're alluding to the idea that it's that we're one of the easiest places, or at least we were, one of the easiest places in the world for someone to have an idea, fill a niche, fill a need, fill a hole in you know in mm-hmm. the economy with it with mm-hmm. uh, a service or a product and make a million dollars off of it. Mm-hmm. And here here we have a situation in India where you have all these people leaving the traditional. Uh, leaving traditional work, leaving traditional lifestyles, and moving up in the modern, uh, you know, the modern global economy, going to mm-hmm. work in businesses, uh, you know, the stereotypical, the call center. But India is much more than call centers, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. They're just pe- people yeah. are going to work. And they're having the same problem that you and I and every other Westerner has. Is what the fuck am I supposed to do if I'm out of work in a 12-hour day? And here you have this woman who basically started a catering service. She, yep. she makes home-cooked meals in these huge yep. vats, you know, and she just sells them to people. And it's, and it's like a one-man operation, basically. Yep. But she, uh, she, she makes a pretty good living off of this. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's the yep. kind of thing I and love she, to see. Yeah. And she sends, I mean, it's, it's almost like, it's the way you think of like pizza hut delivery, but the healthy traditional way, because like you said, she's making a bunch of food for a bunch of people and then she bags it all up or they put it in those containers, which I would love to find some of those here. I've never seen anything like that here, but, and then she sends them off with this guy on his, on his bike <laughs> and he's like <laughs> yeah. the delivery guy. And everyone gets a home cooked meal. With local yep. ingredients, fresh ingredients, yep. ingredients that have not been processed, filled with salt, you know, for, um, you know, to, to keep it fresh or whatever, you know, no GMOs, no nothing, just, yep. just fresh product from the land, from the area in, you know, in a bowl in your mouth. And I'm like, man, that's yep. brilliant. And, it, and, I, and I struggle mm-hmm. to think, like, is there anything really like that, in, you know, in modern America without like, you know, besides the farmer's market where do you go yeah. if you you know like if you, if you go to work tomorrow and you know and here's you know you get your half an hour break <laughs> and you gotta go get your lunch where are you gonna go where, where do you go to right. get that fresh meal right um, exactly and i and i think yeah it's it's very difficult to do that here but i think we're we're taking steps it we're not even we're not close to there not close but um, places like Wow, that's fresh. Um, you can get drive-through fresh food where they, you know, they don't have microwaves, they don't have the food under heat lamps, um, and it's supposed to be fresh food. 
You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's funny and a scary thing, and I'll tell you why. Most of the food that we eat in, you know, in any establishment from like McDonald's to, you know, your average restaurant, you know, your bar and grills, your chilies, your Applebee's, et cetera, they all order from like the same place, Cisco. <laughs> you know, hmm. um, and I know that because I don't know if you remember the ta- the lion taco issue that that was all mm-hmm. the rage in Tampa there for a bit. Oh, let me tell you a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there was a taco joint down in South Tampa, and I don't remember the name of the place now, but they made the news because they were doing these weird game meat tacos. And one of them that he was serving that got everybody all hot and bothered and got a lot of attention for a while was he was serving lion tacos. L-I-O-N. Oh lion. Rawr. Uh, oh, my Delicious, God. by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, of course you tried them. Of course you did. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I, ran, I ate them while watching, while watching the UFC. I was having a very manly moment. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, I, uh, I was talking to the guy. I was like very interested in his story. I'm like, all right. So like, where do you, because people are like, oh my God, he's killing like, like, like he's out there with a spear, you know, poached lions in the African, you know, safari or whatever. And he was like, yeah, no, man, we ordered the lion meat from Cisco. Like, oh, well, that's hardly, oh my an, God. Interesting, <laughs> that's hardly an interesting story. <laughs> he's like, yeah, no. you can get pretty much <laughs> there. There are game meat farms scattered hither and thither uh, across the United States and, you know, and around the world where they, they raise wild game. It wouldn't be wild. Then what it, they raise, they raise <laughs> on traditional. Domesticated once wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, forcefully domesticated, formerly wild game um, <laughs> like lions. And he was like, yeah, they, they come, they actually come from a lion farm in Chicago. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Oh That's my God. <laughs> A lion farm in Chicago, in between what the skyscraper? I, you know, I didn't ask for an address, but yeah, he yeah. was like, "Yeah, man, they raise the lions on this like plot of land somewhere in, you know, I guess you know, some Chicago, some somewhere in Illinois, and right. they're slaughtered for their meat, and the meat is then sold to Cisco, and Cisco sells it wherever." I'm like, "That's amazing! Only in America, America, baby." Yeah, um, America. <laughs> Uh, they they've gone out of business since then. By the way, it didn't last <laughs> very long after that. So people didn't like the lion tacos. I think it became a matter of, uh, it became a very political thing. You know, people were very much. Yeah. They, no matter what explanation he gave, nothing was good enough. Um, and and then it just became cost prohibitive to keep doing gimmicks. So they just right, they went right. out of business. Um, but yeah, that was the most resonant thing about the ep- episode for me. Um, what I can't, he's making a stew in this one, isn't he? Some sort of stew or whatever. What I don't remember mm-hmm. what he's making in this episode. Yep. Okay. He was working with this. Yeah, and they, they were talking more about the cuisine. It was some kind of a French stew that he was working with this um, uh, French woman. Um, and you know, they were just pra- working with different meats and spices and um, plants and uh, I guess. I don't remember bouillon and you know broth, different broths and things uh, to basically do right. stews. I'm sorry. Okay, I wasn't sure if you were done there. So lay it on me. What are your notes <laughs> here? What was resonant for you in the water episode? <laughs> 
Well, a lot of stuff we already touched on. Um, another little interesting piece that he, you know, he, he um, harped on time a lot. That's the missing ingredient in our cooking is time. Um, and so <laughs> it's changed our food a lot. And the he reported were that Americans spend approximately 27 minutes a day now in food preparation. And that's less than any other country on the planet and less than half of what it was in the 1960s. So we've cut our food preparation um, more than in half than we were, what, 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Oh, I, I believe it. I went grocery shopping for, uh, for my wife th- this afternoon after I got my son out of his pre-K prep class. Um, he wanted a treat. I'm like, all right, we'll go to Publix, get you the free key, and then I can get my Powerade. While I'm there, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I texted my wife, hey, man, I know you said you needed stuff for lunch, so lay it on me. What's the list? I'm a good husband. Good husband. Grocery shopping <laughs> for the wife. Uh, and I'm modest. Can you tell? So, you are uh, very she, modest. Exactly. So she sends me this, and uh, as I'm, you know, I'm getting the stuff for her and my daughter for lunches because you know they're the ones that really need it. I eat nothing these days. Um, <laughs> and I walk past the the deli counter, and of course, you know, there's a, you know next to the deli counter there's always like the hot area where they sell the rotisserie chickens, and I grabbed one mm. for dinner. Yeah, I figured this will cut down on this will cut down on dinner prep tonight. I'll just grab a rotisserie chicken, and mm-hmm. I texted her back like I cooked and sent her a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> Cooks was in quotations, by the way. <laughs> ah, uh-huh. I prepared a chicken, and by prepare, I mean yeah. I bought the thing cooked already. Uh, but that, but that's what he's talking about right there. That's an example of, yep. you know. Uh, that that left her to just make some cauliflower and uh, and rice, I believe, you know, for sides. But he's absolutely right. You know, we, you know, when you get home at five or six o'clock and you're trying to feed your family, get baths going, and get your kids in bed by eight o'clock, it doesn't leave a lot of time, you know, to do these long, elaborate uh, meals unless you really plan ahead. So yeah, yeah I, absolutely, I, I yep. cooked. <laughs> I cooked the chicken. Yeah, it took you all of two minutes to pull the chicken apart, right? <laughs> to open the box and <laughs> exactly. pull the chicken apart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So there you go. Um, right. All right. Anything else on water? Um, it. Ta- I think this episode was the one that talked about um, like World War II and then the feminist revolution where women started working and that kind of is processed food um, and where he talked sure. about like Bam and the fruit cocktail, whatever that like jelly mold of fruit crap was that you that you put out with spam and you call it like a harvest. I I don't remember harvest something. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. awful. Yeah. Uh, but they but they catered to you know the women and even though um, and women you know started working but it still wasn't nearly as much as it is today. But they also catered to overworked, overtired housewives, like just relax and sit down. We have a TV dinner, so you can just pop it in, you know, the oven or the microwave for your family, and then you can sit down and and find out what's going on in the real world. Isn't it amazing we convinced a generation of people that 
it was overwhelming to cook. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's, it, it's terrible. You know, we introduced an idea in into culture that um, doing something as satisfying this is tiring. Yep. Go do yep. something fun, like yep. watch TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so that um, really um, got to me a lot in that episode. We, uh, we've had a fun history in this country. It's been, you know, when you, when you really look at it like this, it's like, <laughs> what the hell, man? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I, I love books like, you know, and shows like this. You learn so much about how we got to this place, <clears throat> mm-hmm. where we are now. All right, so episode yep. three, moving things right along. We have mm-hmm. air, my nemesis. Air. Bread. <laughs> ah. Bread is evil. Bread is evil. It's carbs. It's empty <laughs> calories. But boy, you know, my friend Dean, uh, he had watched this, and uh, he was like, wait till you get to the bread episode. You know, and, you know, he's a guy that's worked. He's lifting weights and everything. And our our family trips to Disney <laughs> together. You know, him and his uh, wife and two kids, and my wife and my two kids. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, uh, you know, we actually talked about you know, a bunch of different things, and he was just like, "Yeah, he's like, yeah, man, I'm, we're trying to cut down the carbs too." And then you watch the show like Cooked and get to the bread episode, and you're like, "What am I missing? Oh no." <laughs> Yeah, these beautiful <laughs> fluffy clouds of of mm. flour and water. Yeah, I have to say, watching it was much more appealing than reading about it. Um, yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me, pardon me. One thing I can say right off the bat, and th- this episode talks about it. This was brought up in Wheat Belly, um, which very much. Um. But it, but it does go to something that you have to consider when you're, you're thinking about, okay, well, we got to cut bread out. We got to cut the carbs. And that is, there is such a thing as good bread, good grain for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the problem has become, and this is a reoccurring theme, that the bread you're buying in the grocery store is shit for the most part. <laughs> you know, <Yep. laughs> Wonder Bread for example, being a, being a big yeah. culprit is mm-hmm. this garbage bread made with, you know, chemicals and various, um, you know, elements, uh, <laughs> rocks, basically bread and rocks. Essentially. Yeah. Uh, Preservatives <laughs> that you can't pronounce the names of it's like right. 30 letters, each word. Right. So yeah, that's all garbage bread. And it's going, you know, going to increase your sugar levels. It's, this is the stuff that mm-hmm. leads to diabetes. But yep, absolutely. Whole, you know, bread with none of that stuff in limited quantities, it's actually very good for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the modern uh, food period, which I think is actually like a pie chart now, there is a place <laughs> for, for bread. Um, it's just not what we were, you know, the contemporary in age. We're, we're pretty close. We all grew up with the which at the bottom was bread. <laughs> you know, the base of the food, <laughs> the food pyramid 
was you know was the shitty bread that they push they're pushing on us, uh, which is of course you know led in in a lot of ways to the diabetes epidemic. But mm-hmm. now that was but that that was a big part of it. Uh, you if you made proper bread and you were able to buy a you know proper bread and eat it in the quantities suggested nowadays, it's actually not bad for you. It, you know it's something that your body um, I guess the problem <laughs> just not a bread, and that might be because I've, I've eaten garbage bread for most of my life. And when I get a decent bread, it's actually pretty good. But uh, mm-hmm. so, what what were your thoughts on air? And are you might bake. I, I want to know: Are you uh, was was this appealing to you because you actually do the thing? Um, it was that episode was interesting in a um going along the patterns of the other episodes that talked about how, um, well, first of all, he said bread means life. And he was talking about how if you take just flour and you take just water and you try to eat that for, I guess, two weeks or three weeks at a time, you're not going to survive. But if you add air and you make it into bread and that's all you had to eat, you could survive on that. So, um, you know, it just brings it back to um, the pattern that he's talking about, how if you go back to natural sources, our food, the way it was grown and the way it was meant to be, it can sustain you. It can it can keep you alive if you have nothing else. So that part, um, you know, really spoke to me, again, as in the other two episodes. Okay. And this one, he actually bakes a loaf of bread. I don't know what kind. Yep. He, uh, he he bakes his own bread in this episode. It is a fun yeah. thing to watch. I don't know if I have the patience for that sort of thing, but I did enjoy watching him <laughs> do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's also a very it's a very exact thing, you know. You know, with the with the cooking with fire and and all of that, you didn't have to be so precise. But the uh, but the a little more of this, and a little less of that, and you've got nonsense on your hands, just mess. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, what were your notes on? Well, and then I didn't take as many notes on this one. I'm not quite sure why, but um, I really <laughs> um, liked the the French guy who was, you know, who was making his own bread. And he said, "If you um, use my bread, I, or Paulin said, if you if people were to eat his bread and only his bread." people that have like gluten sensitivities or gluten allergies, I bet those would disappear. So it's again, speaks to that common theme about how we're putting all this crap in our food and ruining it. And we're getting all these diseases and we're creating our own diseases. I am a big proponent sometimes to evolve of natural, you know, natural cures and diet you know, I talk about it with, uh, you know, I work a lot. People, like, I don't push any of this on people. I only, I will only answer questions when asked. But, <clears throat> yeah. um, you know, I talk sometimes, you know, you know, in terms of health and, and weight loss, whatever. Like, if you just, if you change your diet and eat, you know, eat this, not that, in the actual book, um, you know, uh-huh. you'll, you will, you will experience significant change. Over time, yeah. you will help yourself. And yeah. the reaction I get to that is, yes, but what do you have that will work quicker and cheaper? And, and then I just <laughs> walk away. <laughs> yeah. 
<clears throat> and that is the struggle. Uh, anything else on air? Um, the other piece that I really liked in in the air episode was how they they talked about, and I guess was this. Uh, I don't know if it was Morocco, Egypt, I can't remember, but um, where they used bread to kind of expand the rest of their meal. So they took like loaves of bread and they brought the rest of their food, their meat and their vegetables, and they when they mix them together, it can feed a lot more people. So it it's more economical, I guess, even if – and it was still – healthy because they were baking their own bread. I mean, these women spent hours and hours and days baking their bread and then they would send it to, you know, take, send it off with their son to go to the community baker. And then he would, um, you know, bake it for them and then send it back to them. But it would make your meal last a lot longer or feed a lot more people. So I thought that was really cool. I'm into the show on uh, Netflix. I'm not going to do a TV party on it, but um, just some of the stuff I'm going to watch just for shits and giggles. Oh, come on now. Um, I'm into this show called Food from Around the World. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the first episode, I believe, was in Istanbul. And, like, everything was on bread. And I was telling my wife mm-hmm. about it. I was like, not for nothing, but I, at some point, I'm going to, like, travel I'm going to have to give up the idea of I'm not eating bread because I can't be walking into, you know, these, these street <laughs> vendors in Istanbul going, can I get that lettuce wrap, please? Because they'll, they'll beat me to send. You know, just Sorry, to I'm send on it. Adkins right now, right? I'm yeah. doing Adkins. Uh, I Do you have a, something else? <laughs> it's like, you know, just totally an American attitude. I'm on a keto diet, sir. Can you wrap <laughs> that lamb and lettuce for me? Thanks. <laughs> Not, not gonna go well for me. I have to. Uh, I'm gonna no, have to get on bread. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're winding down to our last episode. Uh, this was interesting. Earth microbes. Mm-hmm. Now they focused on uh, a non-meat delight <laughs> for me. Something I'm very fond of, Miss Wagner. Something. That makes me, <laughs> it, 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 next to my children, it gives me a get in the morning, and that's cheese. God, glorious <laughs> cheese. Glorious oh, cheese. Oh, God. There's not a cheese I don't love, I have to be honest with you. Even if it's stinky, smelly cheese, I love it all. Yeah. Mozzarella. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'll be here for the next hour if I do this any longer, so let me, let me pull back. Um, but they make cheese in this episode. <laughs> they uh he visits a nunnery and uh, the I guess the head nun just and they are making fresh cheese and you know doing studies and publishing papers and I'm like man that's somebody I really admire you know, somebody who's <laughs> deeply <laughs> deeply committed to their religion and and, and I don't want to go off on a whole tangent. I'm just going to make a blunt statement and sort of blink and let's move on. But this idea that you can't a reconciliation between science and belief is really thrown on its face in this episode because some of the most devout followers of a Catholic nun, okay, people, <laughs> Catholic nuns, not known for their devil may care opinions of religion here. 
here. You know, these are committed folks. And one of them is a microbiologist sitting there with, with her computers and her ma- and her uh, um, you know, magnifying glasses and, and writing papers and studying stuff and making cheese, baby, making cheese, making that cheddar. And this time I'm not talking about money. And I'm like, yeah, see that? <laughs> See, see, you, you can believe in Jesus and still believe in science. What's wrong with you people? So anyway, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I loved that aspect of this episode. That was some damn yeah. fine looking cheese. What did you, you think of it? It was. That was some pretty cheese, very pretty cheese. And she was, um, you know, she was very proud of it. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really good episode. I uh, and the fact that she had to kind of fight with, I don't was it the FDA or somebody was trying to she shut her down because inspector. of her, yeah, her wooden vats that she was making this cheese in. And when they did, you know, and she and um, they took a deeper look into it, it's like, oh, well, actually, these old wooden vats that you're using um, didn't increase E. coli percentage at all. And when compared with, I guess, steel vats or other things that we use now. And so they, you know, they backed off like, okay, go ahead and make your cheese, lady. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, You're not killing people. Our bad. Proceed. Yeah, I, um, on a political level, on just a, you know, a going against conventional wisdom, um, you know, Sickness in the eye of the government, all of those things. I mean, who would think that a nun making cheese would be a, you know, a political statement? But it really was. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, that's some that that's some political ass cheese right there. Um, <clears throat> but but <laughs> I, I dug it, man. That was part of the episode uh, that really had me invested. It started to lose me towards the end. I'm not gonna lie. At, by by the end of the Earth episode, I was like, oh, I'm. I'm having a rough time staying with this, but uh, that aspect of it, I really, I don't remember. Is he, what's he making in this one? Do you, do you recall? Uh, what kind of cheese was she making? What he makes something in every episode. And I don't remember what he, makes oh, he does. One. Well, he, he was talking, he was doing something with beer. I guess they were, they were um, right. brewing beer, but did he make cheese also? I, I want to say he did, but I don't, you're right. I don't remember that part, but they, he did. He talked about he and his son made some beer that was drinkable, but you know, by no means great. So then they found this other guy who <laughs> did micro brews and stuff. And, and they talked with him a lot about beer and fermentation. Right. Yeah. This is, um, <laughs> I remember I used to be part of this uh, parents group. And, you know, the women would do their thing and talk about various things. And all the guys talked about was brewing their own beer. And I wanted to drown myself <laughs> in the guy's pool. Um, <laughs> the least interesting thing I've ever heard. But uh, I, it's a big deal, man. People like to brew their own it beer. Is. And, it's, you know, and people get really into it. So God, yep. such a passion. You know, I got these in chemistry, not into it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but that's what they're talking about in that episode. You know, fermentation, using microbes, you know, this this uh, this last bit of uh, of element that helps create these wonderful, you know, different foods. <clears throat> That's a little bit off the beaten path. You know, it's not fire. It's not air. It's not water. It's parasites, mm-hmm. <laughs> microbes, mm-hmm. you know, Bugs. who, who would have thought? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, um, and he says so it's the only cooking method that doesn't need heat. So I thought that was really interesting, too. You don't need heat to ferment time, I guess, and, and bugs. <laughs> yeah. And the, the right, and the right uh, tools for the job. Uh, what right. are some notes on this episode? Um, I, I didn't put a lot in this episode either. I think I got kind of tired of the note taking, I got to say, but, um, (laughs) he he talked about how a lot more foods in our diet are fermented than we think. And so he was talking about things like alcohol, chocolate, um, ketchup, salami, um, kimchi, which, and actually he did, I believe he made some kimchi in this, didn't he? Or he was doing something with, with kimchi. Um, but it talked a lot about that, how you just need the earth and time to, to make certain foods and even, you know, alcohol work. All right. So overall, um, we, we have come to the glorious conclusion here. What we, give me your just overall impressions of cooked. Um, I thought it was, like I said in the beginning, I, I was actually pretty amazed. At first, I thought it was just going to be, you know, about cooking and learning different styles of cooking, which it was, but it was much deeper than that. It talked about, um, you know, it talked about, for lack of a better term, life and death and um, what we've done to ourselves as a society, looking back at Um, you know, old world techniques of cooking and making food and consuming food and ultimately how it's going to lead to our demise and how it's caused so many terrible illnesses in our people. Are you going to, you're going to pitch this to somebody? You're going to start telling people, man, I saw this thing called cook. You should watch (laughs) it. Or are you just going to be like, you know what? Um, I don't know, man. I don't know if I need to talk about this with somebody else. (laughs) <laughs> I I will. I think um you know it it really spoke to me actually. So um I am. I think I'll I'll talk about it and I'll try. I'm one of those people too who I'm not going to shove it down your throat kind of thing, but I'll be like, "Hey, did you know, you know, maybe you should watch that show and, you know, um, you know, make some changes in your lifestyle." And of course, it's always going to, you know, keep me um questioning things that I do every day, like, you know, oh, it'd just be easier to nuke this little kid cuisine for my kids. And especially being, you know, a single mom with two little kids, a working single mom, um, it's so much easier to take, you know, a dollar kid cuisine and throw it in the microwave and be like, okay, here's dinner, than it is to actually cook stuff and take the time to prepare stuff and spend the money on, um, you know, healthier foods in their natural environment that haven't been mutated into this, um, you know, these <laughs> God, I don't even know, uh, um, fruit cocktail food. and spam, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all Franken food. I uh, last year I, I cooked a couple of times uh, for you know for my family. You know, I, I made mm-hmm. sure that everyone had a hot dinner when they came home, and you know, with my kids are significantly younger than yours. They were, you know, five and two uh, when mm. opening. And, you know, it's it's a little disheartening because even when I think you really, you know, when especially that young, you know, with their, you know, underdeveloped palates, 
they, uh, you know, you put all this effort into making this food for them. It's like, look, man, I made you these fresh meals, you know, with good product. <laughs> and they just like, can I just have a hot dog? Exactly. Oh my God. Where are the chicken nuggets and the mac and cheese? What, right, what is yeah. this crap? Yeah. I, I offer you, I offer you filet mignon. I offer you, you know, spar- grilled <laughs> asparagus, you know, hollandaise mm-hmm. sauce, and I'll have some chicken nuggets, please. I, all right. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, a daily struggle. Mm-hmm. It's a daily struggle. It really is. And <laughs> I, I even tried the other night, like, you know, I've, I'll do try like a happy medium. Like they had these frozen spinach tots <laughs> that were organic spinach tots, but they're frozen. So I just put them in the oven. They're already prepared. And my kids are like, what is this? Yeah. Yep. We draw full of Lunchables in our refrigerator right now. I'm not going to lie and say that, that that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> no, nope. uh, I'm there. I'm there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. My my last question for you, and then we're going to wrap is, so what's next? What what did this inspire you to, uh, if anything, to read or watch next? Um, I, there is a, another documentary kind of along the same lines that I've been wanting to watch for a while. Um, I think it's called Forks and Knives, mm-hmm. and it, um, you know, it's it's similar. It talks about, um, you know, nat- more natural foods versus GMO foods and what we're actually doing to our foods, even our fruits and vegetables. And um, I guess this really opened my eyes to I really, truly don't know what they're doing to our food. We really have no freaking idea what these companies like Cisco and, um, you know, whoever sells to Publix and wherever we're shopping, what are they really doing to our food? Um, right. You know, so I really want to learn more and educate myself. Yeah, you know, and it's it's not like they're all, like, you know, like, you know, like there's some guy with a, with a twisty black thin mustache and a top hat, You're like, I will put all <laughs> the poisons in this. Mwah! You know, it's not like that per se. Um, right, per se. You know, it's... <laughs> It's a, it's the idea of we, we have a food, it's in this part of the world, we need it to get it to that part of the world, and we need it not to go bad, or this whole operation right. is pointless. And so right. they put preservatives in there. They don't, think about that word, preservative. They're preserving the food for transportation. Mm-hmm. It's the basis of yep. the global economy at this point. We have to feed the world right. you know, right. from, from these different areas, but, preserve, but it comes with a cost. Everything is about cost-benefits. As I like to explain mm-hmm. to many of our clients, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a cost and a benefit to what we're doing here, mm-hmm. folks. Um, mm-hmm. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But it's, mm-hmm. I've actually used my benefit of what you're doing. Um, you know, and, <laughs> it's a whole different Oprah show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but like I said, so yes, we can feed the world and we can have all this great food that was once very local, very regional, and we can give it to the world. We can send it as far and yeah. wide as, as you could possibly imagine, but it's going to cost you a little bit of your health. Yeah, we have to put a you know. whole bunch of shit in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So this is, so we're, we're going to come to a close here. And this is usually the part of the show here in the Rattle Engine Broadcasting Network that we call plugs. And that's because 
<laughs> you know, just promote my own shows, but I'm always having people on that have their own podcasts and, you know, they've got their stuff going on. Now, you do not do a podcast. You, uh, you are not. brand new and exciting to this whole process here. So I got to ask you, number one, what was this like for you tonight? How did you feel? It was good. It was good. You know, I, I like to hear myself talk sometimes, especially if I feel um, educated about a particular topic. So I'm happy to do it. Well, you have now uh, been placed on a very, you're on the list of that I will actually invite back and don't want to punch in the face. So (laughs) (laughs) goals, it's it's squad goals, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, the dubious honor of of not aggravating me on my own podcast. Good for you. (laughs) you, What I'm saying here in my own inimitable way um, you have an open invitation to come back anytime of something passionate that you want to talk about, uh, okay. you know, a television show, a movie, a book, um, <laughs> the rest of tried, whatever you want, just let me know <laughs> ahead of time and we will work something out. I know later on in the year, uh, I do want to have you back on this particular show to talk about at least a season of weeds. So, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll figure that yeah. out <laughs> August. And I think you're planning it now would you know, from September through December would be a little psychotic, just a smidgen. So we'll figure figure out something later in the year. But like I said, I also have the other show, you know, because name made me and, and you threw out something that made all my guy friends quiver in their boots. You apparently want to make me watch some sort of chick flick. I'm telling you right now, (laughs) I I know where you be, lady. If you make me watch Fifty Shades of Grey, you're going to get punched in the arm. Oh, come on. (laughs) But I am am open to whatever your suggestions are. You don't have to come up with something right now. But anytime anytime you want to make me watch a movie and review it and talk about it with me, pretty much anytime Thursdays. So uh, just you name it and we'll do it. All right, we'll open up our female audience space a little bit more. So if nothing else, they can just laugh at how, how men, um, you know, perceive and talk about uh, chick flicks. So I'm looking forward to it. Great. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Um, is there, I know, like I said, you don't do like a show or a website or anything, but um, is there a place that you go for recipes that you would like to plug? Um... All, I usually allrecipes.com has some really good recipes. Okay. And, of course, a lot of them come from parents, grandparents. I mean, I've got these old index cards from, you know, my Italian grandmother. So, you know, so not a lot there. But allrecipes.com usually doesn't disappoint. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, I get some of my recipes and where I started with some of my vegetarian type recipes was PETA, believe it or not, PETA.org. Um, ha- they make the best, or they have the best vegan Caesar salad recipe ever. Wow. So, That's yeah, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Instagram, um, <laughs> any of you, do you Instagram any of your, uh, your finished dishes? I do not. Um, the the most tech savvy I get with it, with it, as you've seen, is I'll take a picture of it and put it on Facebook and show the work people like, hey, this is what I'm making for tomorrow. So that's as far as I've gone at this point. Okay. All right. Well, then, those are the and, and yours is not a Facebook account. So 
cool stuff there. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. It was great talking to you tonight. Uh, you really, really, this is an enjoyable show for me. And I hope we can do stuff again in the future when you have the time, you busy, busy lady, you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> As for me, my million shows that I do, um, tomorrow night on the Metal House, uh, we will be reviewing Torah Machine Messiah. Uh, as I mentioned before, the dates that we're not doing one trial, we're going to try to do some because so and so. Of course, Gavin got first dibs because he, uh, he A, won that that's probably not going to make the Gambit movie, and B, he, we were supposed to do it last year, but, you know, shit got in the way. So, uh, our late but still happening review of There Will Be Blood will be uh, this Thursday at 10 p.m. Uh, Monday, source material, Yil Jesse Stacha. He'll be presenting his first round of So What Reading. I actually got on that episode. I talked about Moon Knight. I talked about uh, Batman Mad Love, Simply the Best. Batman story, especially featuring Harley Quinn and the Joker, not that garbage Suicide Squad movie that came out. Um, so go ahead and check out the So What You're Reading special, 9 p.m. If you haven't checked out our three-part episode uh, on the Flintstones, please do. We are, especially the, the third episode, we had a lengthy discussion of the polyamory society. And you're thinking, what the hell has that got to do with the Flintstones? You'll have to listen uh, because it does. It relates. But, yeah, we had a really, really interesting and lengthy discussion of the polyamory society uh, in this country relative to the Flintstone comic book that DC put out. So um, check those out. They're all in the archives now on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. Uh, The next TV party will be a week from tonight. Uh, Robert Cooper, the Metal Coop, will be on to talk about his other favorite passion in life, anime, that is to say... Voltron, Legendary Defender, Season 2. It drops this Friday, uh, the 20th of January. We're going to talk about it on the 24th of January. Uh, Metal Hammer of Doom, Firewind, Immortals, the next night. And On Trial, our second episode, will be the 26th of January at 9.30. We will be putting Chris Nolan's Inception on trial. I believe I am defending a movie I haven't even watched yet. Hot diggity. So that's our next couple of shows. I'm not going to go any further because I could be reading the, I could be reading off my list from now until August and I've done enough of that. So without further ado, uh, we are done for the night. Uh, I Again, I appreciate Miss Wagner for coming on and uh, that's it. Just one real quick thing. I'm going to do another Netflix show based on food. We're going to do Chef's Table in a few weeks. And I'm going to bring on another podcast newbie, uh, somebody who actually worked as a, you know, in, in the cooking industry to talk season one of Chef's Table. I don't know how often I'm going to do stuff like this, but I at least wanted to give Cooked in one season of Chef's Table a try. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm excited about it. All right. Uh, if you've made it this far, God bless you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Be well, be safe, and behave.